0: This episode of the School of Last podcast is brought to you by Patreon supporter, K. Dodd-Stokes. If you'd like to learn how you can sponsor the podcast through a small, recurring monthly donation through Patreon, visit com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And also, this week we're proud to announce we're sponsored by Funny and Amen. You know, comics, in order to reach a bigger audience, you need partners. And when it comes to a video partner, you have to partner with funnyandamen.com. Funny and Amen has over 20 years' experience producing, directing, and shooting feature films, commercials, and live recordings, and now is producing clean comedy content. I was up in Philadelphia recently, and the team at Funny and Amen came out, taped the entire show, and now I've got some clips that are the best clips, the most recent clips, the clearest, the sharpest, the best video I've ever had to promote my comedy. So check out the work of Kevin Hackenberg and his team at FunnyAndAmen.com. That's Funny A N D Hey guys, Rick Roberts here back with another episode. Uh, In case you're kind of wondering what's going on, we are bi-monthly now. Every other week an episode comes out, mainly so I can take that off week to help write a couple comedy books that I want to provide to you guys based on not only the podcast but my 25 years of stand-up experience. So thank you for being patient. Uh, Writing a book is new, and it does require a lot of time, as does the podcast. So I'm kind of splitting it up every other week. And this week is our final look back at 2016. I'm joined in the studio this time with uh, Johnny W. and Brian Bates, both former students, both full-time comics now. And we talk about last year, some of the lessons we learned. Sometimes we learn them the hard way. Other times we just kind of notice what's working and what's not. And we make those changes for the new year. So uh, Brian and Johnny both were very honest and uh, very selfless by telling me three mistakes each that they made or three things they want to change for the new year. I also offer up three things that I've learned in the past year that I will tweak and change for the upcoming year. So I tell you what, let's just go ahead and jump right into this week's podcast. And again, I'm joined by former students Brian Bates and Johnny W. One thing that still amazes me isn't as easy as it should be is that I need to like triple check with the people when I book a gig to make sure everything's going to be the way it should be, and I'm—I mean, I, I send out these advanced pre-event questionnaires to find out as much as I can about the layout and the attendees and all these things, and from that I kind of troubleshoot what they might not know that they uh, should be doing, and then I call them and we discuss it, and everything from the sound system to don't be serving food during the comedy and. Mm-hmm. If it's after the meal, make sure all the plates are cleared and tell the wait staff you're done for an hour. And, you know, even just last week, I went through all that with a client and then they said, uh, so were you bringing your own sound system or were we supposed to provide it? Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, that's in the contract. And we talked about it six weeks ago. It's, you guys are responsible for that. Oh, okay. Uh, what do we need? I'm like, well, if you get out the contract, it's right there, you know? So, and I totally expected that to be taken care of because we, she said yes, six weeks ago. And so she's just slipped her mind. And so luckily oh, I caught that man. before showing up to the ballroom oh, at the yeah. Marriott and then there's nothing there. And then I just got a yell. Was that here in Nashville? No, I was up in Indianapolis. Oh. And, um, but you know, she was cool and got me. And I said, this is the thing that I learned primarily is I need to contact the AV person specifically, even yeah. after the client contact. I uh-huh. said it's all okay because is the client
1: often a human resources person who really who's maybe scheduling but doesn't really understand what yeah, you yeah often
0: it's somebody that's once a year they're in charge of putting on the party and so they just kind of yeah. get the comedian lined up and assume everything's going to be fine so it's not like in their wheelhouse to be knowing all these things yeah. and I don't like to be heavy handed or mm-hmm. I don't want to be the extra email they have to answer all the time but I do want to make sure it goes right Yeah, and so the one thing that I've, I've learned going forward is even, even on things where I've over communicated to over communicate one more time that's kind of the, the theme for this year is make sure everybody's super on board to where they know it as well or better than I do at that point. So there's no surprises and things go well.
2: I have somebody that helps advance my shows, but even giving her the right tools because she was saying, well, I'm getting these questions or whatever. Is this available? Some things, because I, I have some video and audio elements in my show, some cues. And uh, even pre-show music, like I'll do some uh, some venues where they'll put on really stiff, awful – uh, music. And then you, you're supposed to, I want it to be higher energy, even if it's instrumental. So I made a playlist of that kind of stuff and I put it all on this page on my website and it's just a hidden URL on my site that I send out and it says johnnyw.com forward slash tech. And that, and I say, email this to your tech person and it has my email. They can email me back with it, you know? But it has all that stuff, and it's just laid out, and it's laid out even kind of in a fun way. There's gags on that page, even to where it's like very light. But it's very like, this is what we need to do. It's helped a lot. But like you said, sometimes you get there, and they just you've not triple checked, and so yeah. there, you, there's gaps there. It can affect the show for sure,
0: and it, you know, just upset stress level if you discover it there for mm-hmm. them and you.
2: Yeah, and like you said, when you get there, and there's. You have a list on your side. I've kind of borrowed some of your stuff, the 10 tips to a great event. And I put that out there. I use some of my own that are adapted because I had to do a little bit different show than you. But I, I've noticed that like, if you, if they get, if they can get six or seven of those, it's still, you have a good chance, but people don't remember. And the reason we have to fight for the show elements is because people do not remember in the audience that, oh, wow, they kept the lights hot on the audience, or, wow, there was only, uh, the speakers were in the ceiling, and it was rough. Yeah. All they remember is, man, that guy struggled. That's all they remember. Right. <laughs> they only remember you struggling.
0: Yeah. And sometimes, all that said, you, you still think you can power through it.
2: Oh, yeah. What's the comedian in you? <laughs>
0: and I had another a different Christmas party in December where I worked for the same company at a different location last year. But this time, I mean, and last year was set up just fine. Yeah. This year, it's, it's even more intimate, but it's super bright lights. Mm-hmm. And like they were almost too afraid to laugh because you know I like it in the middle, mm-hmm. but there was no way to dim this. It was either all dark, yeah, which means I was going to be dark too, or <laughs> yeah. super bright. I thought oh, I can do it, but it really affected the show. <laughs> Bates, what were you thinking?
1: Well, I, I mean, I mostly do clubs, so that didn't quite apply because it's a comedy club. But so, you, what was the lesson you learned? You reach out to the audio video guy. Anybody else in particular that?
0: Well, if they've had had a comic in the past, I'll reach out to them to see what was provided already.
1: Because you usually, you'd reach out to the comic themselves. Yeah, you usually know who they are.
0: Sometimes, I mean, if I know them for sh- like, there's an event coming up in February, mm-hmm. and the advance sheet said who have you had here before, and it's through an agency, but they had listed two, ah, that's uh, a- three comics I knew already. So I called them and said, "Hey, I'm going to perform for this group. Anything I should know about it ahead of time?" Yeah. And so that's helpful. But the overall thing I learned from that is just don't us. As- Don't assume, even though you've covered it twice, that it's going to be right on the day of the show. Okay, gotcha.
2: Well, as far as being able to reach out to other comics, that's a good lesson in and of itself to not uh, estrange yourself from the community of comics because you need each other. Because all these gigs come back around. We all do the same work. Eventually, they're going to call you on that list. And if you don't know anybody else on that list, you can call and be like, is this good? Is this weird? Are they tight? Are they... Is there anything in my show that you wouldn't do? Like Those are good questions to have, to ask somebody. Absolutely. You yeah.
0: And all the comics are happy to fill you in. They, yeah. want, they want the game to go good enough that it comes back around to them Absolutely. again.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Brian, was one of the things you learned from, and this was your second full year in comedy, yep. for people that may not have heard Brian on the previous podcast. Uh, two years at it now, what was something that like a little higher on your radar this time around?
1: Well, as far as a lesson learned, this year I put out um, a CD and My first album And um, I would say Overall it went great But I would I would say Think big If you're gonna do Something like this And I wasn't uh, It turned out Great But initially I wasn't thinking As broad as I should
0: In terms of uh,
1: The overall Package What I could've done With that special night So I got a, a Headline weekend at, Not a weekend At Zaney's But a, a night at Zanies. Um, and I thought You know what I should Try to record a CD In hindsight, it went so well, and I got so many people, and you were there. It was such a good, fun night. I wish I'd had somebody shot it for a DVD. DVD. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, because a good video, you know, can go so far. Even if I didn't sell it, even just a good video to to put on a website for promotional reasons. But a DVD, you were there. It would have been a good enough night to do a DVD. It was a
0: phenomenal audience.
1: Yeah, it was such a great, great audience. It was better than I ever imagined. But I should have been imagined. I should have thinking, you know, that way. Yeah, uh, you know, I did do it as a CD, but if I had to do it again, I would have brought in, uh, you know, professional audio guys with multiple mics to put around the room and just to make it that much better. So, the from the initial time I first had it in my head to the the actual night, I was thinking thinking differently. If I'd have thought bigger from the get go, it would have probably just I could have gotten so much more out of it.
0: Yeah, even just a couple of cameras in there, a straight ahead, maybe one mm-hmm. to the side or something. Mm-hmm. And you'd have also had two extra microphones from those cameras to mix with. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, the mic in the crowd is so – that's something you can't overdo. Yeah. I mean, you can always delete 16 of the 18 mics if you've got 18 mics. But if you only have one, everybody's got to be laughing the right way. and You have, what, two or three mics in the room? Mics. You had the board. Then where'd you have, there was one on the stage, right? Well, yeah, my, the
1: stage mic, and then there were some mics that were set up, a couple set up around the room and they didn't pick up as well as I would have liked.
0: No, because the audience, I was there. The audience was, it was big laughs. Yeah. And the CD, you can, you can hear, but the, the level laughs never reached nine on the CD. It was like two is where the maxed out, even though it was a 10 in the, in the crowd.
1: Yeah. That yeah. Was. And, uh, I had set up my, my video camera in the balcony and, uh, and, Thankfully, I did that because I got another audio track that we pulled off and used, used for that to make the CD better. But uh, just generally speaking, I guess just learn. If you're going to do something like this and be amb- ambitious, have confidence in it and, and, and you know go for it.
0: That's cool. And it, the CD did turn out good. Some, yeah, some, I love it. Some super, the mastering yeah. ninja on the back end of it to help you out. Yeah. Very good. Johnny, what was one of the things you picked up this
2: year? Uh, well, part of the thing is at the end of the year, like I gained some weight and um, I have a yo-yo weight anyway. Like I gained and lose the same 40 pounds again and again and again in my adult life. But uh, it really like I'm a very low energy performer. So it if I'm I, it doesn't affect me like an act out comic would like where I go, wow, I'm out of breath because I did X, Y, Z. I got to watch this. But I noticed by the end of the year, as I was getting bigger, it was affecting my confidence on stage. Uh, and I was developing new ticks. We've talked about ticks before no, in you your it. class. As soon as you get rid of one one comes in oh. and uh, you start shifting the microphone, like a gear shift or everybody, there's five or six that right. all comics have to face. But then I had a new one where I was tugging at my shirt. My wife noticed that I was doing a show and she kept saying, you keep pulling at your shirt. And I think it was because I felt like my shirt was riding up whenever I cause I raised my arm sometimes above uh-huh. my head. And I think I felt like my shirt was getting caught on my belly. I was like, I don't want to show this, this front row of my belly or whatever. <laughs> right. So I kept pulling at my shirt to make sure it was, she goes, your shirt's not riding up. Like you just look weird. And I was like, Oh no. Well, again, so it's just, I'm not, I don't come from comedy. I didn't come to comedy from a super confident position. I came at it from this like uh self-deprecating place and uh I had music in my show, so I felt like that was a way to it was a way in. I could hide behind XYZ or whatever, the guitar and And then I started developing de- de- real comedy, but really I put on the confidence almost like it's a coat, you know, I'll put it on and I go out. That's my stage thing. It's a little bit bigger. It's an elevated, an amplified version of my personality by 20% maybe. But yeah, when you add 40 pounds, you start feeling sluggish and you just feel less yourself and all eyes are on you. That's the thing about comedy that's so different from any other thing is it's all you and there's nowhere to hide. And so if you feel out of shape and out of sorts, you it can affect even the delivery of something that you've said a hundred times. Right. So I noticed it was starting to happen and I was like, I got to clean this up. So... I'm doing this thing. I was such a junk food junkie from on the road. You always have an excuse. So I've started trying to clean it up a little bit, and I've been doing this low-carb thing. I'm trying to get off... Just hardcore get off sugar. I've not had sugar in over two weeks now.
0: I can't even
2: imagine that. And, uh and uh, so I'm, I, I was a big bread guy, so I've, I've not eaten any bread. I'm trying to, and I, I won't be able to maintain it forever, but it's just one of those things like, I feel like I needed that that jump start. That was something I, but when it started bleeding the performance, cause you're always like, well, if I can do the shows, it doesn't matter. Right. People don't laugh at me because I'm handsome. Like they laugh at me because my material is good. But when it affects the way you deliver it and the way you feel, then I was like, I got to make a switch. So it was right. good. It was a good thing to get a hold of. I think. I think I caught it right. I'm backing away from the, the ledge now. Yeah. In the nick of time, I think so. Well,
0: that's good that you caught it. And, you know, it's really hard to stay healthy as far as
2: eating and stuff on the road.
0: The
1: one upset them. I saw though, that joke about you doing sit ups in school <laughs> really <laughs> took off. The fatter you got. That's true. So,
2: there, there are some jokes that I do that I think, yeah, are more relatable. But it's almost like Gaffigan. Gaffigan's is not really fat by American standards, but he's doughy enough, and everybody in the audience. Even the skinniest person in your audience has a food issues. If you're an American, so he's always able to land with whatever food joke, you know, laying around eating ice cream in bed or eating bacon all day. It always lands because I don't think there there will be a time when I can't make some of my food material land. But there were there are some jokes that land harder if they look relatable. Like, oh, this guy he did just eat a gallon of ice cream. He still got the spoon. That's right.
1: Look at me, you and Rick. It's like the evolution of man here. <laughs> it is, I'm
0: telling you. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for being honest with that, because that is a, a tricky one. And yeah, especially, you, know, you caught it at the end of the year where you're, if you're like me, and most clean comics, you're busier than the rest of the year. So you have mm-hmm. less time to be home eating right and, and on your regular yeah. schedule. So uh, it's a good thing you caught it now where you had a little time to clean it up. So very cool. Well, that kind of leads me into my um, second thing I learned this the past year was to have better balance between uh the things that I do that bring money into the, the home. So, you know, at the very end of the year, I kind of go back and look at where my different income resources came in. And in my mind, mentally, I thought that my speeches were bringing in way more than the percentage that they were, mm-hmm. whereas really my comedy is still nearly 75% of all my income, hitting the stage and doing stand-up or – Maybe an event where I have little Barney Fife before I do my stand-up. So I think that I need to either embrace my stand-up more and push that harder and down, maybe downplay the, the speeches on my website a little bit more or maybe even just have a separate website for it because, as you can see there, I'm showing these guys a chart. Uh, man, 75% is, is hitting the stage to my comedy. Mm-hmm. And then also in this little chart, the, the school of laughs is less than 12% of my income. And that's never been a goal for it to be a hundred percent. You know, it's maybe when I retire, but that the school of last stuff, including the podcast was eating up big chunks of each week where I could be promoting my own comedy. So that was part of the reason that I backed the podcast down to twice a month. It's it's much more manageable. Yeah. There's not one due as soon as I publish one. And it's like, I got the next one up there. Mm -hmm. Um, I did like the rhythm and pace of, of talking to comics weekly like that. You know, so even this year when I let the first one not publish, mm-hmm. it's like, man, it's, it's almost like I'm on vacation or something like it. Yeah. And I was able, I spent time last week in here writing, you know, for four hours. I got out some notebooks and I wasn't really able to do that as much last year as mm-hmm. I wanted to. So having that balance amongst the offerings that I have between comedy, the speeches and the school of laughs, just looking at what it really is and and really, you know, the comedy should be eighty percent and the rest of it will be falling at twenty. That's yeah. kind of the rule of the Pareto principle. But time wise it was inverse. I was spending eighty percent of my time keeping the school of lasting up in the air, podcast to podcast. The what principle? Pareto. What is that? So twenty percent of your focused efforts can generate eighty percent of your results. And inversely, eighty percent of your unfocused time only generates twenty percent. Hmm. So I was I was spending I was flipping it on its ear by spending 80% of my time generating the little you know, 20% that isn't stand-up comedy when I really should be spending 80% on my comedy and my speeches if I want to put that in there Yeah, and let the school of last be what it is but be a smaller percentage of my time.
2: That's good. Well, I mean, that's the thing, too. I mean, I know you tell this to a lot of people who are starting out, but like the thing I run into a lot with beginners, and I fell into it a little bit, but is that they do, they... They wanna focus on how to get more work before they focus on oh yeah, make having a great product, so it's almost like they're trying to get you to show me the secret to trick this person into hiring me before I've even finished what i'm gonna do right and so but we can all fall into that pattern of like well, and too, when you say it, like just the just the foresight to make a pie chart that says. Most comics don't even have that where let's write down everything I've done and let's put it into a category. And now let's think about how much effort I spend on X, Y, you know, which right. one. And does that line up? Because you, you could fall into this thing of like, I'm this thing. And you, you put blinders on. Sure. I'm a speaker. I This is how I get. My, then you look at it. And you're like, oh, wow. Because people, people will tell you what you are. Even in, in your audience, mm. the laughs they give you, tell mm. you where. But whether they, what they hire you for tells you, too. And that's the piece that you're getting now. They're hiring me as this. This is who I am. Right. I'm also this, but I'm this. And mentally, you know?
0: I thought it was almost 60-40 last year. Yeah. You know, 60% stand-up, 40% speeches, mm-hmm. you know, as far as that mix. And I was I was way off. It's a, And the speeches do well. It just seems like maybe because I prepare a lot more for them, mm-hmm. that it was taking more mental time. So I, I thought I was delivering them more. I mean, it was still a good chunk of it. But in relationship to the other categories, it was very small, mm. you know, less than 25%. So that's something I want to do this year is, is spend 75% or 80% of my time on my stand-up, promoting myself on that and doing all the things I need to do to make that grow. Because that's, I mean, that's my bread and butter. That's my 25 years of experience all the way through. Mm-hmm. And grow my speeches as needed, but maybe not spend as much time worrying about that. Even though I, I learned things like the Pareto principle by doing the speech, <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, who's this Pareto guy? I want to know more about him. He's
2: a mafia uh, guy. I don't remember, yeah, uh, yeah. All
0: right, it's important. I see eighty percent of the comments coming from Johnny and twenty percent from Ryan, <laughs> Brian, what's another thing that was last year? Um. All right.
1: Uh. One thing I learned is um. This is something we all have to work on. is diversifying our. It's kind of what you were talking about to some degree. Diversifying our comedy. To not get so bogged down in things you can't control. And I guess what I mean by that is – and we all we all can get caught up in like um, who's getting stuff that we're not getting, especially when you're a young comedian and, um, of course, you're in the corporate world. Johnny's more in the Christian world. I'm more in the club world. But when you're in a town where there's only one comedy club, it's easy to get bitter and, and worked up about why is this person getting this and that. And you put too much emphasis. In this case, it could be Zany's on that one particular club. But if you learn to diversify a little bit your your where you're generating your comedy income and and stuff, then nothing is seems so important that, you know, that you depend on them so much. And I guess that's what I've learned this year, that that uh the more you can get yourself out there in in different avenues, whether it be Christian comedy or corporate or whatever, then then um, you don't put so much emphasis, so much pressure on yourself to do any one thing. And you don't get bogged down in when you're not getting stuff from them.
0: That's true. Like the too many eggs in one basket kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. there was many comics when I was going through the comedy clubs full time that they only worked the funny bones or they only worked the improvs. Right. And a couple of those guys had incidents where they got banned from not only the club where they had the incident at, the whole chain dropped them. And then those guys were scrambling. Right. Um, so, in you know, in, in the business class, we talk about. Even just your mix of chain clubs plus your mom and pop, so you have a blend of that, so mm-hmm. it, it's going to be rare that five mom and pop clubs, single owner clubs go down the same year. you know, so if you lose one, it's mm-hmm. just a small percent, but if if something happens with that chain or the another thing that happened a lot of time the the one person who booked all the improvs or who was your contact to book you and all of them, that person moved on somewhere else, and then all of a sudden you don't have that contact anymore right, and just their job change cuts you out of twenty weeks of work or whatever it might be. So diversifying and being like I think you said at best being more focused on what you can control. which you can control picking up the phone, you can control talking to old clients, you can control marketing. You know, you can't control the results of those, but you can control making those things happen.
1: Right, absolutely. And and I mean again, just using Nashville's example, we have one comedy club. Well, I guess we have two now with Third Coast out comedy club but M- M- zanies is the one that most people think of but then it's you know, comics get frustrated about not getting work there but then they'll never leave the city of nashville and and what are you gonna do i mean and then they put so much emphasis on that club that uh that they get uh, disproportionately bogged down and upset when people are getting things i think it's just a good lesson in life though just anything you do if you put all your eggs in one basket then it's just dangerous you gotta diversify your your Income, uh, anything that you do, because you're going to have dry patches and then you got to lean on those other things.
0: And Johnny, are you able to eat eggs on the low carb diet? That's a, I
2: can eat eggs, right? Uh, and, So you can uh, keep as
0: many of those eggs in your basket. <laughs> Give all can, your eggs to him. Get <laughs> and the bacon. I can eat the bacon. Uh, <laughs> no, no, toast, no, no toast. No toast, bacon. please. No yeah. toast. What
2: do you drink? What do I drink? Yeah. I can drink, uh, you know, anything but like juice, anything with sugar. In it. I don't, I can have diet soda though. I can have like sugar substitutes. But so.
0: isn't the, the carb uh, and carbonation carbs or no? No.
2: Okay. Carbohydrate. So uh-huh. sugar substitute. <laughs>
0: I didn't go to college. <laughs>
2: it's the. <laughs> I did, but I'm not admitting it. I don't have an Italian word for the principle, but. it's <laughs> <Yeah. like laughs> The carburetor principle. That's right. The <laughs> leap carbon date. That's right.
0: <laughs> what was another thing you picked up this past year?
2: Uh, well, you talk about balance a little bit, and you guys are kind of sharing it. But to me, like, I think I realized this year, I had a pretty busy year, but there was just a lot of clump together. Like I would have some time off, but then I would have three weeks in a row where it felt like I was gone every other day. And I think there's a number of things, be it shows or, or side projects or things you're involved with, that are outside of your relationship with your wife or your family. That when you get to it, if you're not self-aware enough to know like this is my number, it's time to go back one. You know, mm-hmm. like Dangerfield used to. That was his whole joke writing thing: is he would go tell a joke and then he would remove a word every night until he didn't get a laugh well it's kind of the same thing like you keep i I, when i first started you just take everything because you're like i gotta get out there right you take every gig and if you live that way even as you start getting work if you if you just keep that idea that like we don't turn down work what if the window closes like if you're always living in that thing then before you know it you don't you know, you don't recognize your house or you don't, it's weird. So I, re- there was a couple of times where I started feeling that way where it's was like, I think I, I think I know what my number is now. I think I'm going to do a hundred. What do you mean by number? Like uh, the number of shows that I'll take before I start saying, unless this is like some crazy opportunity that I can't turn down.
0: Or you can even bring your wife along with.
2: Or I can bring my life along with, or I can say, Hey, I'm going to pass this off to another comic, you know, and being willing to like, that's the hard part too. Like that's the part of the community too, that we don't talk about a lot is, Everybody that, if you can't do it, like you should have four or five people on your list that you can go and then they'll, they'll pass things to you and that's sure. how it should work. But I've started doing more of that because it's like, I'm not saying like, oh, my calendar's so full, but I'm saying there is a number and it's not even the same for everybody. I think there are comics who can do whatever. For me, I think it's probably like 90 things. Like if I'm gone, cause that means I'm gone probably 150 days if I'm yeah, doing 90 events. Yeah. You gotta, gotta count the travel days in. So it's like 150 days a year is probably about right. And my wife travels with me for about 30% of those, 25, 30% of those, but she'll pick out which one. She, is that San Diego, right? she's with me. Yeah. That's in the, yeah. you say?
0: And is that number right?
2: That's no. right. Is that number right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, she, she loves her day job. So that's part of it. If she didn't have a day job at all, then she probably would just go yeah. and just be with me, but she really likes what she does. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm work, I'm working on that balance. I'm – I think I thought that I would be different in that. I thought, well, I'll just take this work and everything will be great because my wife's so understanding. It's not that we've had fights about it, but I can sense, you can tell when you're being a bad husband or not. You know? Oh, sure. <laughs> you can tell. And,
0: and sometimes, I mean, a long time ago, I tried to explain it like, you can't, you'll never have the perfect work life balance because sometimes work gets really, really busy. December's, mm-hmm. for example, or, yeah. or what have you. And, but there's also times in summer, maybe, where it's your home more than you normally are. And you can tell your, your kids don't need you that that much, or what have you, too. But you know, one thing I started thinking about three or four years ago was I want I want to make sure mentally and physically I book X amount of days with my family each year, yeah. And that leaves days to do comedy as right. opposed to putting all the emphasis on I have to have this many comedy dates, and that means I'll probably be home this many days. It's just making sure. And even this past week, I, um, the Vanderbilt play Kentucky at home, right? You know, and I could have gone to that game and been home, but I've been home after the kids went to bed, and I would have had to leave. You know, early, so I would have been home the whole day, but not seeing my kids besides maybe in the morning when they got ready for school. Yeah. And so I thought, you know what? I can put on the game at six o'clock and watch it with my kids. Mm-hmm. And if that was better, even though I love seeing them Kentucky play live and that was right there in my backyard. Yeah. I was just aware that, you know, it's been busy and I just got back from the road and yeah. it's just early in the year still. I'm like, you know, I'm going to. Save that day for the family.
2: yeah and honestly it 's not just about like i don't want to feel bad or like I'm a bad person who's off in never never land and my wife has to go do a real job and like I get to go do this this thing that I love it's not even that it's about a balance of feeling like a normal life like we need to be around normal people like if you're just if you hang around nothing but comics and comedy club owners and and even the, the events that I do, which are largely conferences and stuff that has a certain sheen to it and a certain feel to it, and you need to feel you need to feel like i got to get home and do the laundry. You need to feel that. Right. Because otherwise well, I think your material hurts too. That's why people end up with rental car jokes and airline right. jokes. It's all they ever see or uh, whatever.
0: And, you know, you got to do that laundry because you're
2: tugging on your shirt. And <laughs> That's right. I, I, yeah. They're shrinking up. i got to – shirts are shrinking.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you and I have been in about the same amount of time, and I feel like you're probably like me. You still – you take every gig because you're just worried. If so I start turning on gigs, they'll go away. Right. So you just take everything and now you're probably getting to the point where you're more confident in your career and comfortable and realize you can turn some down, pick and choose a little bit.
2: Yeah. I can't, but you can. I remember one time I got a gig from a corporate guy and he said, Can you already open this date? This was last year, and I said, oh, I'm not. I was so like bummed. I was like, oh, I'm busy. I am not. Are they married to that date? Like are... he and he wrote me back and wrote he goes, It's it's not a bad thing to be busy. Right. Like the corporate people that are even booking it, they notice that. Oh, he's working. Right. Sometimes they want even more. Well, we're going to get him next year then. We just didn't get him. Clean. So as it's good to be busy. No, but I was so bummed out because I was like, I'll miss. They'll never come back. It's like you're trying to get a squirrel to come over to you. you know? Yeah. And
0: I think it's, you know, communicate with them. Like I always, t- like I had a phone call yesterday. There was a conference and I was booked on three of the days in three mm-hmm. different places. But the conference was here in Nashville. And yeah. he's like, hey, that's great. He goes, you know, you probably, if you're like me, you probably need to work next year too, right? I'm like, yeah. And I said, you know, do you mind if I – when I start getting inquiries about January, do you mind if I put my calendar just to give you a call? And he's like, like, that's what you should do. He goes, you should be proactive like that. He was an insurance agent. He goes, if we just waited for people to call us, then our competition is calling those people while we're waiting on calls. Right. He goes, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you in October or September, whenever you start getting that January stuff going, let me know.
2: Yeah, I remember the first thing I got where they said, we're looking at summer of 2000-whatever, and it was a year and a half away. Uh And I hung up, and I was so, like, frustrated – and now I just don't feel it anymore. I feel like, well, I'm going to be a comedian then. I'm still going to be a comedian then. So why? That, well, it's almost like you, you. It's almost like you thought. It's almost like you thought, like, what if I'm not even a comedian by then? You feel like that window well, is it like, like weird ever. thing: looking at your calendar, <laughs> whatever
0: the the edge of it is for, yeah, it's like, well, I assume there'll be some work there. That's
2: right. I get to be a comedian all the way to May this <laughs> year, as
1: far as I know. <laughs> as far as I know. What's the percentage you guys have found though that you've got kids and but uh, you're both married that? What's the good work-life balance as far as percentage, you think?
0: Well, I, I just know for me, to limit the times I've gone for three days or more at a time. And there, there are just, there's I call them cluster dates. Like you end up getting a Friday, then all of a sudden you got a Thursday, and it's 7,000 miles the other direction. Yeah. And then you got to cross over where you were and go Saturday. But there's three dates in a row. And in a way, your travel is reduced by staying out because you're not flying home and going back out. So you save money for the family that way. But, you know, mm-hmm. three with a tra- you know, maybe a half-day travel day, mm-hmm. three and a half, and I try not to do that too many times in a month. You know, 12 dates a month is plenty. Eight is fine. You know, somewhere in, in there is good, a good mix. But yeah. when there are that many in a row, it's, it's tricky, with kids especially, you know. Even my little four-year-old, the other day we were talking about boats or something. She goes, Remember that time you went and did a show on the boat, and it was seven days? (laughs) You're not doing that again, are you? Yeah. And that was a year and a half ago. Yeah. But she still remembered it from when she was two and a half.
2: Wow. Wow. Yeah, you, your kids are old enough now where they miss they miss you being present in their stuff. So you have to and then we're always you could always just find out well going I have to pay for all of this, but like you that only that only carries so much weight before you're like, No, I need to go. Yeah, I'm gonna use that
0: like twice a year. I'm like, you see how the lights are on right now? That's, right. That's why I have to go do shows. Then I turn off the light and go, This is what it'd be like if I didn't do shows. <laughs>
2: Good night. But there's just something. There's a way to be there even without being there in in, in that way. And so I, I don't know. I think it's about trying to be a better person too, not just be. Because like we're always trying to be. Like, I got to be the funniest. I got to be the funniest. But it's like, well, there's this person who supported you, believed in you when you didn't did work. You know, five days a year. Right. And so now it's like I want to make sure I'm still taking care of that and tending that, tending to that. So
1: it's good. This is getting sad to me. It is. It's right. it's like this podcast should be called What Does Not Also Not Have in His Life. <laughs> Yeah, I never thought about it. So
0: (laughs) single, married, married with two kids. So it is kind of like a broad range, but we all do the same job.
2: Yeah,
1: Yeah, but we're all different kind of – you're mainly corporate, and I'm club, and he's church. And you used to be. Club and then you got married and then you had kids right, and you've right. you've kind of evolved into a more family friendly environment. But if I
0: if I could have been a single corporate guy earlier, I would have done that. <laughs> now that I know,
1: <laughs> lesson learned from 1988. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> then your number would have been whatever they'll give me. Three hundred. I'll do three hundred days a year. Right.
1: Man. And for the record, Rick put on Facebook he wanted a Kentucky basketball ticket. No one accepted. So now he's saying, "Oh, I decided to stay at home with my well, family."
0: My wife said you should go. Like she was encouraging me to go, and she even like at the at four thirty she goes, "Here's a lady that's selling tickets for thirty bucks. If you want to still go, I'm like, I, I just, yeah,
2: I'm my like, wife will do that too. It's a trap. <laughs> it I just, I just want
0: to, <laughs> it's a test. Yeah, there's like a sting agent on the other side. You bought the tickets. You go to father jail.
2: <laughs> it's her like You're disguising her voice.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's. Uh, We've all done too, right? Or did we?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's move on to other stuff. I, ha- I can't do. Let's end on
0: less um, down mm. and more uh, kind of what we learned that we're going to tweak in a positive way this year as far as the craft of comedy. So, yeah. um, you know, from I'll lead off on this segment again. The, for me, it's just when I when I do take gigs to try to have an impact besides just making them laugh at the gig. And so that's something I've consciously been aware of for several years. But this year, I've been more intentional about the gigs I book and pursue, and by that I mean whether it's uh, fundraising efforts for a certain organization, or if it's a church event, maybe doing something before or after mm-hmm. to help them out, or or raising money for like new missions and church uh, organizations like that that kind of help in different parts of the country. Um, but just thinking, even as I'm booking it, is there something else I can do for you besides just the comedy? Yeah. But finding little things that I can do to help out. Um, several times this year, and I think you did the same thing too. Uh, there was the hurricane down in Florida, mm-hmm. so for the month after that, all my sales, I, I sent the money to the Red Cross. Yeah, and if people wanted to buy a shirt, that, and they write writing a check, just write it to the Red Cross. But I lumped that in, right? And so even my cost of the shirts and everything, I just mm-hmm. went. And then we had the fires in Gatlinburg, did the same thing all December, which is usually a pretty good, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I felt great about. At the end of the show, saying, "Hey, I've got a product," and usually I just sell it for me, but let's raise some money for these folks close to home. So that's great. So, trying to find each each gig a, a way to make it bigger and more lasting than just take the money and run.
1: Again, I feel bad because I'm <laughs> usually telling people about the drink special,
0: and uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I'm finding out who's celebrating anything tonight. So
0: celebrating, I'm not in a hurricane or a fire. Yeah, right. exactly. So, exactly. Okay,
2: good. I can keep my CD safe. <laughs> you, you can get Rick's CD in the back. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I think whenever the shows that I do where they have a cause attached, or I get to tell them about a cause that I believe in as a part of it, where you're not like hemmed down. Sometimes you're hemmed in by their program, and they've decided this is whatever. Don't. But I, I feel a lot better leaving those shows. I finally I feel more fulfilled, right, as a performer, because I think it's I, that's just how we're built. That's how we're wired by God. I think it's we're supposed to. Like, there's a scripture that says. uh uh, that uh where's workmanship made for good works that he prepared for us long ago, so I think when we step in, when we do something good it 's the reason we feel good is because we 're literally doing the thing we 're made to do right so uh yeah, but it 's so much comedy it 's like it 's all about me and me you got because it 's to kill or be killed like it 's this fight and it 's this war, and so you could lose sight sometimes. Of the fact, that like this is a vehicle that I could really take somewhere. I could really m- make a difference uh, with this. If you, if you set out to do it. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: If you're only serving yourself, it's like burying the talent. Yeah. You know, and if you go out and multiply that talent for other people, then you're doing what you're supposed to do. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's good.
0: All right. What, what are you thinking, either Johnny or Brian, as far as uh, something craft wise for the year?
1: Well, I'll, uh, one thing, and I know this is a, it's a, Obvious given, but I'll tell you why it's especially kind of in my brain right now is write more, which I know is comedy one on one. But I was looking at I keep my set list for all my shows. Uh-huh. So I went back this week and looked at a set from January of 2014, January 2015, January 2016. And then what I would do doing now. And this is for a feature set because that's mainly what I do these days, you know, at clubs, 25, 30 minute set. So in 2014, I'm still doing right now 25 percent of the jokes I was doing in 2014. I'm still doing 33 percent or about a third of the jokes I was doing in 2015. But I'm still doing 75 percent of the so three-fourths of my act is the same as it was a year ago. So that's not good. I need to be anymore. I mean 25
0: percent <laughs> new material in your set. Is what you're saying
1: from a year ago yeah and
0: i know that's not where you want it to be but I, i'll tell you about 90% of the comics listening haven't switched up 25% of their set yeah. in the past year
1: maybe and again i'm not talking about a full hour i'm talking about uh, a yeah, 25 30 minute set and what and obviously there aren't i don't have a fan base out there clamoring to oh we know we want the new stuff i mean most of the time people have never heard any of this anyway but the why it's so important i think is because well for a couple of reasons one i noticed at the end of the year um, my sets weren't hitting as hard. and I think some of it is because we all get tired of our jokes, and, mm. and it becomes reciting like it's a play, and you're not as exciting about them, so you're just kind of saying them, and the crowd senses it, even if you can't sense it. Right. I feel like that was part of the reason. I feel like, and you and I have talked about this, I'm transitioning a little bit. I'm becoming a different type of comic, so some of my sets are a little bit uneven as far as the type of comic I right, am, right. and therefore that just kind of confuses the audience can sometimes so I'm becoming a different person so I need to keep on writing to become that new comic just you just get excited about new jokes and I feel like I need to um you know they say you can best learn a new language when if you're in another country and you have no choice but to do it so part of me needs to just especially the jokes I've been doing for 3 years or more just don't put them in your set uh-huh. and you don't want a bomb obviously but uh, I'm not saying give it all up today but You know, I got to force myself more to write new stuff and just say you don't. You don't have a choice of doing those old jokes. Right. You got to do these new jokes. You got to make them work.
0: That's good. Yeah. And again, you're of of all the comics I know, you write as more. You write as much or more than a lot of guys, but it's good to hear you say that you're not satisfied with that. Well, maybe I feel like I do, but
1: then I feel like I just fall back on those old jokes because they're you know they're safe safety nets almost. Like I do write a lot, but I feel like they don't make it into my final set. Yeah. Well, I, that's another
0: thing. Is like all your new jokes are auditioning to knock somebody else out of your old set. Yeah. So it needs to be as strong or or at least be a, a gateway to a new topic that is going to be super strong.
1: Yeah. Or even if it's the same topic, then you need to take out one of those old topic jokes. I mean, yeah. you're obviously going to still write jokes about your kids, but – Right, they're going to change. So
0: yeah, I got to quit doing the diaper genie stuff. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I did graduate out of.
2: And then you talk about hell there, and they're like they're confused, It's like punchline confusion. You know? Yeah,
0: but it is true. Like you know, in my mind, there's categories of what I talk about. Yeah. So uh, mentally, it's one place I start every year It's like, okay, what what are they doing now? So now my kids are. You know, my four year old's saying a lot more instead of just doing stuff. So I can repeat what she's saying and get laughs from it.
1: I think we all have jokes where, if, sorry to catch up, but if you have numbers involved, especially, and I have a lot of numbers in my jokes, it can, if you keep doing them for years, you'll catch yourself. So I think I told you I did a joke recently about going to my 25 year class reunion. And I'd already just got through telling the crowd how I was 45. (laughs) <laughs> and I immediately saw in their eyes, as I they're like, wait a they second, this guy was 20 when he graduated high school. <laughs> yeah.
2: got some special
1: and of course, you and know, I talked about that. I just take out the 20, I just say, I just went to my class reunion. Right. That's all you got to do. But that first time I did it on stage, I was like, oops. Yeah. So if you got numbers involved, you better update your set. Well, it's tricky. I
0: mean, I've, all last year, I was, I was telling people I've been married for 15 years, and that's not going to happen until October of this year.
2: Yeah, I've done that before.
0: So, you know i just in my head. I thought we were, yeah, you know? And so it's just one yeah. of those things. And then I've got jokes where I say I'm, I'm this age and I have a son this age and a daughter this age. And then that's three numbers that change throughout the year, <laughs> you know? And so I, I have to mentally make those changes and it's weird. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I'm with you. Uh, the new materials is key for sure.
1: I mean, my goal is uh, a year from now, it's a hundred percent new. Now, They may not make it. That's a good goal to have. That's a great goal. Yeah, and again, I'm not talking about a new putting out a new hour, but a new maybe half hour. Mm -hmm. So we'll see.
2: That's excellent. Good. Don't make your audiences do math. I think that's the.
0: I know I have a lot of math (laughs) jokes for some reason. Yeah. You ever sit there and look at the audience do math? Like one. That's all I have in the (laughs) audience. If it was plus 299, this place would be sold out.
1: (laughs) 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 Yes, I did.
2: Oh, that's great. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, um, you talk about some of the events you do and you, you kind of have a serious element or a fundraiser element or just kind of what you call like turning the corner or whatever. You know, I'm doing more of those now. I work with an agency called New Missions and they, they build, uh, churches and hospitals in Haiti for 30 years. They've been there. And so it's a great organization. They do child sponsorship. And I work with Compassion as well as also child sponsorship. So now I'm trying to up my game with them. I want to do more and more events for them because I really love the way those feel, and I'm, I want to be good at it. And so one thing I've learned, I learned this from another comic uh, who does a lot of church events. He does a lot of Sunday mornings where he'll be asked to do some comedy and then kind of share a little bit. And not necessarily like an altar call full-on thing, but just like I'm going to share a little bit. And I was so apprehensive of that, even though I had prepared sermons before I had been in ministry staff. But just the combining of those two worlds and this comedian, Michael Jr., who's very successful and he does a lot of those. And, and he he would really mentor me about that. And he, one time I talked to him for like 45 minutes and what he said, what are you doing in when you do a Sunday morning? Because he wanted to recommend me some things and he wanted to see kind of what my what my style was. So I told him how it normally would go. And, and so I had done some and done, been successful at him. And he said, well, let me just tell you something I've learned from doing this, because it's most of what he does now. He says, the leash is a lot longer than you think. The audience is with you. And so when you take pauses, when you take them somewhere, even if you take them somewhere a little bit dark or somewhere super serious, like they're with you, even if you don't feel it. So you have more liberty. Uh-huh. And it did. it. I think it really freed me up. I started thinking, I try to think of myself when I, because when I first started, I had a tendency to really speed up. And I, that's my real thing. If I'm in an audience that I feel nervous about, my act, I go a lot faster. That's what I tend to do. Because I have a really bang, bang show anyway. Put, set up punch tag, set up punch tag, old traditional style. But now I find myself now, I want to take in this next year, and in the last half of this year, I really tried to be aware of it is. That space, you're, you're building tension in a good way. It's not bad tension. I've th- always, I always thought the pauses were bad. Right. And they're not, they're neutral. It's what you're, what you're doing with them. So I've learned to just, even if I, I wouldn't, I would not stop to take water sometimes. I would do an hour and not drink oh, yeah. water. By the end of the show, I'm, and I'm, I'm hearing it in the microphone and I'm still like, if I stop to take a drink of water, these people are like, get off the stage. That's what I think they're thinking. I know. And, and now do that. I, <laughs> I, still, but I, I feel that. I feel that tension, but I think it's, it's becoming a good tension now. It's like, well, I've got them. Let me take a breath here. And let's hope they're still with me. I, I'm going to be confident that they still are. Right. You
0: know. No, that's something I still have in the back of my head when I take it. Like, I'll I'll pick it up sometimes, and then I'll put it back <laughs> He just
2: carried it around. He just needed to get out. Yeah. He just needed to move around the stage. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a weird thing. But, yeah, allowing space to happen. And that. You know, I, I get really jealous sometimes when I watch new comics that are so comfortable. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe you should pick up the pace a little bit. Yeah. But... For I mean, from the comedy club years, it was all bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, to the point where the, the comment I most often got after the show was, "How do you remember all that stuff?" Yeah, and that wasn't really the comment. I, I mean, I took that as a compliment. Like, <laughs> right. man, you just went from one thing to the next and the next. Yeah, to the next. yeah, yeah. But what what I was, should have heard was, "Man, you didn't give us time to think about anything, or you just you seemed rushed." Yeah. But they were they were just like, "How do you remember all that stuff?" You yeah. said a lot of things.
1: <laughs> yeah, I tend to speed up too, uh, especially comedy clubs if they're rowdy or anything, I think I can't give them a second or they're whatever, but mm-hmm. sometimes I need to slow down because there's not that they're such a bad crowd. It just takes them a second to absorb the laughter. And you've always talked about if if you start talking before they're done laughing, they're going to stop laughing because right. they're afraid they're going to miss something. It's like a conversation.
0: Yeah. I think the the thing in clubs that, cause I, mean, I still do a couple of things here and there is I'm, I don't speed up. I just take out more words like you were talking about okay. earlier. Cause yeah. I have the, the liberty when I'm doing corporate events that they're they're with me for an hour because they have to be they can't leave uh-huh. you know and some of the stories get to be longer because that they want that journey of the story mm-hmm. more and a comedy club they don't really need the journey of the story they just need the beginning and the end yeah and so I I noticed the last even at you're taping and uh, when I did a set when Nate and Keith were down there yeah you know I just took out a lot of words and then. Luckily for me, it was right before December. and I'm like, oh, this is the way I should be doing these jokes anyway. Yeah. Now I'm doing the, the Christmas party stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was helpful just to self edit and like some, it was almost a whole paragraph preface on some things that didn't need
2: to be right, there. Right. Right.
0: But because it, it fit the corporate tone of what I was doing yeah. or the topic. But in a comedy club, it just didn't need to be there at all.
1: I find now we're getting off on a separate, separate subject, but writing, a lot of times you'll have a new joke and I'll tell my friend, like you guys, and they're like, what's it about? And I'll just quickly give you a synopsis and it's much tighter. Yeah. Then the actual joke yeah, you wrote. Like, that should
2: be the premise. But
1: yeah, yeah because you know your friends aren't going to have, right. they don't want to hear this whole thing. Just tell me what's about. And I'm like, that's how I should have wrote it Yeah, instead of all this other stuff. <laughs> no,
2: that's true. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, no, it's true. Like uh, Bill Gorger, who uh, I took a writing cl- class from, uh, a competition that I was at. And one of the things he said always stuck with me. He would talk about good crowds and bad crowds. And he would say, you need both in your career because a good crowd will help you explore. It's true. But if you only have good crowds and you just your act gets loose because you just well they're with me I'm just gonna tell this story a little bit longer or you you yeah. find these weird tags that may work there but may not work everywhere. He said so you need bad crowds because they'll help you edit. Yeah. And so I think you need good and bad crowds and so you know that's that's really what you would hope for a career. You don't want just a career that's perfect. You want a significant career.
0: Significant and you want to have some yeah. without the, uh, the the sand. There's no smooth sandpaper edge. You know right, So you got to right. have those rough spots to. Yeah to kind of stand out and smooth out your good stuff yep. but if it's smooth all the time you're just like, you can be crowds can sense too smooth yeah. as well that's a whole other show yeah. <laughs> well man it sounds like uh, on the positive side there were changes in the past year that make us uh, think differently about how we pursue comedy this year and uh, I think any year where we don't if we sit down this every year and we didn't learn anything last year then we should stop altogether because we weren't paying attention probably Yeah. but uh, I learned from the stuff you guys shared and I'm not going to give up sugar, but. Uh,
2: <laughs> not, well, be- it's only been two weeks, Rick. I'm not. <laughs> right. I'm no hero. Stop talk, on, talk to me where I'll have a Snickers in each stop hand.
0: tugging on your shirt already. <laughs> I'll learn not to
1: get a wife if you want to have a work-life balance.
2: <laughs> it's easy to balance just you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, good stuff, fellas. Thanks for uh, joining me today. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the School Last Podcast. I'll go ahead and tell you real quickly right now. Uh, If you're not in on Club 52, take a look at that on the website. It's a a 52-week email that you get that helps you. One actionable tip on your business or your comedy or your performance of said comedy. And that's available to you if you sponsor through Patreon at just $7 a month or more. And part of that fun is I get to have Hangouts on the computer. Uh, We're doing it through Zoom, which is like Google. We're doing that uh, once a month. And... Those in the future, because it's on Zoom, will be recorded. So if you're on Patreon before and you couldn't make any of those hangouts, uh, those will be in the archive on Patreon for you going forward, just so you know that. But uh, that's available to you, schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I'm out of here. Thanks, fellas. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the School of Last podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Last podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.